Hey, 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 guys! Today our guest is Whitney Barbary, and she is awesome. She's awesome. She's my first Enneagram 8 interviewee, and she is fabulous! I have to say, I love it. I mean, where are my eights at? Because she is fire, guys. She brings the word. She doesn't mess around at all. And we need, I need more of that in my face. So I think you're going to love her today. She completely declares who she is. She knows who she's supposed to be. And she tells us how she learned there, how she got that. And I don't know about you, but I want some of that rubbed off on me because my people pleasing self needs all the eight I can get. Uh, it's just fabulous. So she shares today uh, just about how, when I ask her kind of what process she went through for healing, she talks about how that healing just accumulated. And that is powerful news because it really reveals how setting daily boundaries in our life and creating daily healthy habits is what creates life. Like it's not a poof magic wand. And then all of a sudden we have dream life, right? It's about daily choices to show up, make the best choice in each moment. How are we showing up? How are we being brave moment by moment? How are we doing the right thing? How are we serving? And so another thing that we talk about in this hour is how um, we live about 80% of our real self. And so the mystery is that 20%. What is that 20%, that part that needs to actually come out? Because clue that 20% is your true self. And the question is, what would happen if you showed it? Would it change your life? I wonder, could it make you feel free? So this is my question for you. Is there enough space in your life for that 20% to show up, right? Because I will say it over and over again. It's what the Lord says to me over and over and over again. Life is about making space. And so we have to have space in our life for that 20% to be able to show up, to come out, to make itself known. We have to seek deeper healing to change the patterns of our life and step into that real identity that is based on God's love covering every detail of us. It's not relying on other people or anything like that craziness. So what has to happen? Because clue, we all need it. I was, I went to lunch with a girl yesterday and I said, yeah, I got some counseling last week. And she's like, huh, you did? Yes, I did. Yes. Because we all need it. Every single one of us, we are broken. It is time to recognize that face our own humanity because it's in those places that place of brokenness where God can come in and answer the questions and fill the void and meet the need and we can accept his love. And so those habits are, you know, being careful what we put in our bodies, surrounding us with the people who who love God and worship music. We set those boundaries and we make space for something new. That's exactly what Whitney did. And it took time, but it created the life that she wanted. And so if you want to be different, you have to remove something and actually do something different, right? And so um, I don't think it requires a divorce and a new job and a mini skirt, like, like whatever, I don't know, Botox or whatever. Um, I'm not saying this, you know, things are not appealing sometimes. 
Um, but my point is we can search and explore and do right where we are. This is your permission, friend. This is your permission. Be yourself. Be authentic. Stop caring what other people think. Go get your life. All right. I'm fired up. Have fun. Enjoy today's episode. Hello, my wonderful friend. Welcome to freedom. Welcome to a space of belonging. This is the Ash and Ivy Show. My name is Riley, and I'm totally geeking out to be here with you. I am challenging you to know your identity, find God's voice in your story, and give your life as a gift to the world. You have a voice and a message that only you can give. So let's do the divine work and make God visible through our lives and be in awe of what life is all about. Hey, Whitney. Thanks for coming to the Ash and Ivy show. Hi. So glad to have you genuinely. That's fun. I fell in love with you um, when you started to share your story in one of the groups that we're both members of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I got to know this girl. Yeah. Yeah. Stories are powerful like that. Yeah. So just tell us who you are, what you do. Yeah. I am actually a life coach for entrepreneurs. Um, I coach entrepreneurs. I coach a lot on mindset, beliefs, beliefs life stuff that gets in the way of business. I really just show women how to own their voice and own their uniqueness and own their story so that they can attract like the best clients for them, the ones that are there because of who they are. So I really show women how to like step into their voice. You know, my whole like branding is the grace and gasoline. It's walking that line of, you know, being in God's grace and living in grace, but also we can be fire, right? We, there can be fire and ice. And so I really help women like really you like walk in harmony in those two things. Um, yeah. because when there's a disconnect, that's usually when we find our business hits a wall. And it's usually because somewhere we may be showing up like 80% ourselves, but that like 20% that we're hiding, like that's what needs to come out so that our business feels aligned and that the clients and customers coming into our business, like feel like they're in alignment with who we are. So that's what I do. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? So I have been coaching for about three and a half years and I have been strictly focusing on entrepreneurs, um, probably for about a year and a half of that. Yeah. And it feels like you've kind of found that alignment for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Gasoline and grace. I mean, you couldn't have come up with a better, more powerful name. Yeah. I'm so jealous. I know I I hired a creative director a couple of months ago and we were going back and forth in boxer one day. And I was like, man, I really need to rename the podcast. Um, and we were shooting some things back and forth on boxer. And then I don't remember what she said. I said something, she said something. And all of a sudden I was like, what if it's grace and gasoline together? Right. It was like, that's it. And I was like, that is it. And we just took off. Cause you have to have it all. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have it all and all of it belongs. It all belongs. That's a good, I like that statement. It all belongs. Right. Yeah. That's what Ashton Ivy is all about too. And uh, my name's Ashton Ivy is not quite so sassy as yours. <laughs> But that's what it is. 
is you can't have one without the other and you got to have the grit and the hard and maybe those things that are hidden, maybe that 20%, um, but you bring it and it all creates beauty and life and invitation, you know? Totally. Yeah. So I love your introduction to your podcast. Um, I think you describe yourself as a rebel Jesus lover. Um, yeah. and you, say you color outside the lines. Yes. I show my clients how to do that. And yeah, I, that used to be my tagline before grace and gasoline. And before my creative director really pulled out the, like, Oh, you like set women on fire and you like their worlds up. And, um, yeah, that used to be my tagline was that I was the coach for Jesus loving rebels that wanted to color outside the lines and still make money. Yeah. So what does that look like for you? I mean, have you always worked in this image of purpose and yeah. So no, I I've done a lot of things. I have a cosmetology license. I was a licensed health and life insurance agent for a brief (laughs) period of my (laughs) life. Not in alignment. Yeah, not, that was a little, um, I was a server and a bartender for years, like at restaurants. Um, yeah, I've done all the things. Um, I worked in a hospital for a while, but no, I, for the last three and a half years of coaching, I never called myself a purpose coach. When I started coaching, I just did general life coaching, but it was still helping women unlock their voice and get clear on the message they want to put out in the world. And I think that is purpose, um, coaching really. That's what I did in the beginning of my business. And then I realized that God was like, like all my clients were entrepreneurs. Like I realized that all these women were coming to me and they were just wanting life coaching, but they all had businesses or ministries. Don't you think that's because when you do step into that identity of fullness um, and just purpose Mm. that you live on mission, Mm -hmm. I kind of find that too, like the people that I'm most attracted to or most attracted to me or whatever, Mm. kind of are dreaming about something. They are like digging for more for their life. Mm -hmm. They are curious and totally. And I just love that so much. Yeah. Like you're, you are the actual epitome. Like you're describing exactly what I do because when my clients come to me, Um, and they're wanting to launch a business or they've already launched, but they just like, they're trying to get to that next level and they can't figure out like, I, I've already had this level of success. Like, why do I not get farther? And it's because of what you just said. It's like somewhere they're not owning their voice and they're not owning who they are. And so they can't fully connect to their audience. And that's the key. So I'm like, yeah, like you have to unlock your voice and your message. Cause that's where your purpose is. And when you start owning that and you start speaking that, then the women or the men or whatever it is that you do in your business, like they start becoming attracted to you. And I don't mean attracted, like in the like law of attraction way, but they're attracted to like, Ooh, I like her. Like, because they resonate with what you're mm -hmm. saying. They're like, that resonates with me. I need more of that. Yeah. So I show women how to stop being vanilla because there's a lot of vanilla and it's so boring. (laughs) I was literally about to say (laughs) vanilla and beige, um, personality and vanilla and beige marketing. Like it just doesn't work and it's boring and nobody wants to, my clients don't want to be boring. I'm here for it. (laughs) They're looking for permission to 
pour gasoline on, on all of it. They really are. So tell um, us like how that started for you. What, yeah. what, what was your story? What brought you to a place of finding your voice? Yeah. So I find that as entrepreneurs, like um, a friend of mine and um, he's a copywriter um, and now he, he's a coach, but he always says, his name is Cam Snow. And he always says like, we give out the medicine that we need for ourselves. Even if you don't have a business and maybe you just give advice or you're, you know, a speaker or you write books or you're just always that person people go to, you know, people have that saying, they're like, I don't get it. Like, I'm so good at giving advice, but I never take my own. We're really good at giving the advice that like we need. So we're really good at giving out the prescription medication that we really need for ourselves. And so usually your, your calling, your purpose is going to be locked up somewhere in like, what has been your life's journey and whatever that is, that's probably what you're supposed to be doing. Even if you have like, like, even if someone's like, I mean, my husband works at a bank, right. And he's probably thinking like, I don't, I work at a bank. I don't think that has anything to do with my calling, but some, but he's also like, he just got out of seminary. So like he also pastors on the side. So it's like, even if it's not your vocation, like somewhere you're supposed to be using that for others. Like our gifts aren't for us. It's for how we use them in the world. Um, how, oh, how I got here, which does have to do with my story. Cause our stories are always connected. I've I'm an Enneagram eight. Like if anyone's familiar with the Enneagram, I could have told you that. <laughs> yeah. We're the challenger. Like we're always usually people that are adverse to eights would label us as too much loud, opinionated, vocal, a lot. Uh, you know, I don't know that people call me overbearing, but it's like, it's like, it's a lot, right? She's, she's a lot. She's got a lot of opinion. She's saying things all the time. She argues with people a lot. Like I don't back down from a lot. Um, she feels very passionately about things and it can be intimidating. <laughs> I think maybe that's where not overbearing. It can be intimidating to people. Um, and so when you grew, when you grow up, always being told you're too much, you, you know, we get those childhood wounds and then we get a little jaded and then we start getting older and we're like, oh, people don't like me. They don't like the way that I am. So I should not be that anymore. I should be something else. Oh, people seem to like this. Uh, people seem to like me better when I act like this. People seem to be more accepting if I do this or, you know, or we look at other people and we're like, oh, people seem to really gravitate to that person. So I should be that person. And so I spent a lot of my teenage years, most of my 20s, even like about around 30, I kind of had this moment. I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. <sighs> it's too much. It was heavy. It's heavy. Being inauthentic is exhausting. Wear you out. So I just like, well, this is a long story, but I was on my 30th birthday. I was finalizing my second divorce. And that's like really a story that doesn't really have as much to do with my business. There was a lot of toxicity and narcissism and, um, I was a broken individual, like emotionally. So I was getting myself in like some hot mess situations. Um, but I had that moment that like come to Jesus moment in my thirties. Like I was getting my second divorce and I was like, okay, you're 30. You're on your second divorce. Like this is not normal. And I, and I had a lot of dysfunctional relationships in between those two marriages. And I was like, maybe it's time to figure out how I keep ending up here. And it's the, it's always a different man, but it's always the same situation, same relationship, same outcome. So, but in that journey of me getting that healing and I'm married now, like, 
you know, my third husband, but we've been married four and a half years. We're going to be married forever. He's awesome. You know, he's a pastor. That's a whole redemption story there. But I just realized like going through all that, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I, I'm going to, you know, I want to get reconnected with God. I want to figure out like the healing that I need. So I stopped getting in these situations. And then when I got that healing, I was like, you know, I've done a lot of work on myself and I don't want to be someone else anymore. Like that's not working for me. And if I'm going to like do a 180, then it's going to be a 180. And I have just spent, I'm 36 now. So I've just spent the last six years, like finding my voice through trial and error. That's how we find it. But leaning into who I am, learning to be okay with who I am so that if other people aren't, I'm just like, that's cool. Like there doesn't even have, that doesn't even have to be a problem. Like I'm not for you. That's cool. I don't have to be like, it's fine. And it doesn't mean anything's wrong with them either. Like I'm just not for them. Um, so when I started coaching, I just wanted women to get healing from whatever. Cause I felt like that had been my journey, getting my second divorce, realizing I needed healing. But so what did that healing process look like for you? Um, you know, people ask me that and I'm always like, man, I think people are looking for something really tangible to like put their hands on. And I'm like, I don't, it was such a blur, not in a bad way, but it was, it was almost like I was just doing little things every day that didn't really stand out. But then over that probably year, year and a half, it like accumulated to like so much healing. It was like, um, going back to church because it was like, I knew I just needed to be in community. Cause I grew up in the church. Like my dad was a pastor. Like I was not new to God. Like I literally grew up in the church, you know? And for a while we were even Pentecostal growing up. So we were at church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Saturday revival, missions trips. Youth. It was like, I, we were in church all the time. So I was like, you know, I had a relationship with God. I just ran off and did my thing. But like, when I came back, I was like, no, I want to be serious about this. So it was like getting into church, building that community, listening to sermons, listening to podcasts, like just filling my mind and my body, like with like what I was taking in, it was just worship music. It was, um, praying a lot. It was getting into Bible studies with other women. It was just like, I wanted to keep surrounding myself with God and people that also were chasing after God. So that I was just like, that was my circle. Um, I got into fasting. I really got into fasting and setting boundaries with myself. Um, I didn't have to set them with others. I had to set them with myself because when we're lacking boundaries with others, it's because we're lacking boundaries with ourselves. So like, I remember making like, not even, I wouldn't even say I made a commitment. I just remember telling God, like after that second divorce, I was like, listen, I am promising you, I don't want to date. I don't want to even look at a guy. I don't even want to be friends with guys. Like, I don't want them texting me. And it wasn't like I was mad at men. It was like, I don't even want distraction. So I'm not even going to be like hanging out with guys that like, even if they're just friends, like, I don't want any of it. I don't even want like, you know, casually dating. I don't want, I just told him like, I just want to focus on this and I don't want to get distracted and I'm not going to think about dating. I just don't, something's got to be cleaned up in my heart and in my head before and that was a big part of it too. And so I really had to set boundaries with that. Like telling people no, intentionally not dating and intentionally just filling my time and my days with work, friends, like community, um, volunteering, you know, hanging out with friends, taking trips, like just filling my time with me 
and getting back connected with me and being like, who is Whitney? Like, what do I, I was about like? to say, is it kind of like, it's a time of just learning yourself, finding your yeah. own opinion, finding the way you think, spending your time the way you want to. Yeah. Cause I was, I was 30. So I would say at least from the age of 15, if not before I had, so then I had spent 15 years letting other people tell me who I was. Cause I was like, people don't like who I am. So I'll just let other people tell me who I should be. So you're right. Like I was right. 30 years old and I didn't realize it at the time. Like I wasn't in my mind going, I need to discover myself, <laughs> right. but I was discovering myself. Like I, I looking back, I'm like, no, I was, I would, I was taking trips by myself. Um, you know, just things where I'm like, I was just hanging out with myself, others, but getting to know what I liked and what I didn't like and what do I want to do and what's fun for me and what kind of people do I want in my life and what do I want to do for work and mm-hmm. what kind of movies do I like? It was just like, how do I want to dress? Like, I don't have a guy anymore telling me what I have to wear. Like, what does Whitney wear? And that was where all the healing came from. So I guess round it all, like bring it all back home. Mm-hmm. I give out that medicine now in my business because I walked that and I still walk it. I don't walk it perfectly. I think we're always still figuring ourselves out because we evolve all the time. But now that's what I do in my business. Like women come to me and they're looking for permission to be themselves and they want to come borrow my boldness and lean into my authenticity so that it will rub off on them. So I basically just mentor them to stop caring what other people think at the end of the day. (laughs) That's what my clients would tell you. If you were to ask them, why did you hire Whitney? They would probably use those words. Yeah. I want to tell you something. I was uh, laying in bed and I was just thinking about your podcast and Mm -hmm. my podcast and um, what they represent, what their purpose is. And this is not normal for me. So go with it. Um, (laughs) I bring this out of people. So it's fine. I literally had this image pop into my mind of a female warrior just dressed in white and full of light and holding these like two um, swords of light mm-hmm. and ready, like on mission, just moving forward. Oh. It was powerful. Yes. I, it just really made me feel like um, a connection with you, mm-hmm. I think. And an appreciation and just a respect for what you're inviting yeah. women into. Um, I think it's, I don't know, it was, it was really powerful for me and also affirming mm-hmm. that we're in this together and that women do just need invitation to be themselves yeah. and to stop because we were so practiced, especially as Christians, I think at getting on this narrow road to what we think we're supposed to be so much so that we lose ourselves. Mm-hmm. We lose our uniqueness and we yeah. lose our, yeah. our fire. Yeah. I think a lot. And I, I think I'm supposed to write a book about this cause it keeps coming up. It's like a theme, but um, when you said that, because there's a lot of Deborah's rising up, but the church isn't as accepting as of the Debra's as they are of the Esther's. And I think a lot of women in the church are told we're supposed to be like Esther as in like quiet, timid, lowly, just be pretty, just sit there, just be humble, be gentle. Don't, but I'm like, 
that's fine. Like that's, we, there are esters that are needed, but there are women with Deborah anointings that are warriors and fighters and want to be on the front lines and want to encourage other people, want to bring them into the fight, like whatever that may look like, or bring them into the journey. And they just want to charge and they're like, yeah. So that makes total sense. Like I, you probably also have a Deborah anointing, like that's what I have. And so I Thank think, goodness. yeah, there's a contrast <laughs> where like, I think we're taught like, Deb, no, be Esther. Be I cannot. I'm like, like I, I like work it up. Okay. Okay. We're going to be gentle and sweet. I can't do it. I just can't. It's exhausting. <laughs> it's exhausting. It is. Yeah. So that's probably why, because we're probably like connected in the spirit in that way. And I think this actually is a season of Deborah's and Esther's. I don't think it's just one. I think it's both, but you're right. I think the church glorifies one type of personality, which is more like the Esther and, and less like the Deborah and then shouldn't be that well, way. And also just a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I mean, a misunderstanding of the, of the, even the meaning of gentleness, mm-hmm. because I mean, gentleness doesn't gentleness means in the flow with God, not yeah. quiet, sweet. Exactly. And so uh, learning what that flow means for you is tremendously freeing. Yeah. 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 Totally. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just laughing. I'm just thinking like exactly what you're saying. I'm like, yeah, I've had people say things to me and I'm like, no, I don't even, I'm just like, no, (laughs) that's not what it is. Uh, That's so true. That's so true. And so I, I give out that medicine because that's what I always needed. I was just looking for someone to give me permission to be myself. And then finally I couldn't find anyone. Well, let me say this. I did hire a life coach before I ever became one. And she really gave me permission to be myself. But other than that, I had no one else. I just had to decide one day I'm not being quiet anymore. I don't care if people think I'm loud or opinionated or too much or whatever. Like I have this anointing for a reason. And even if I get it wrong, sometimes I have to give myself grace for that, but I'm meant to use my voice. I'm supposed to be loud. I'm supposed to be opinionated. I'm supposed to be triggering. I'm supposed to be polarizing, not in a, you know, rebellious, spiteful way, but like, I'm supposed to challenge things. I'm supposed to challenge status quo. I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. It's what I'm supposed to, it's literally what I'm called to do. And I was like, I'm just going to lean into that. And if some people aren't willing to stick around for the journey of me figuring out what that looks like, and sometimes getting it wrong, then they don't deserve to be here when I figure it out and get it right. Like they just need to weed themselves out. And I just have to keep moving on with my life. And that has been happening. (laughs) That's been, it happens. It's my clients come to me and they're like, how do I get to where I don't care what anyone thinks anymore? And I'm like, you don't, you'll never not care. You can care less but you'll never not care what people think. And it's never going to not hurt sometimes. Again, it will hurt less. You can get to where you're a little more like thick skinned, but there's still going to be moments where you're like, well, that was hurtful or that didn't feel good. Or that feels a little like rejection. I don't like that. This is not, they think it's about like eradicating all that and being like callous where they just are in this bubble and they don't ever feel any human emotions. And I'm like, no, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's, not, <laughs> that's how not how it works. Well, let's take it to the Enneagram a little bit. So an Enneagram eight, mm-hmm. um, my understanding is that in response to things like those things, you feel anger, your response. Yeah. Yeah. Our go-to emotion is 
Yeah. <laughs> Are Thank you God. familiar with um, Nadia Bowles Weber? No. Okay. Well, she's a, she's a, you'll have to just look her up and then <laughs> come to your own conclusions about her. I'm still not sure I feel about her, but this isn't about her. But point being, I heard her on a podcast one time. She is an eight and she was being interviewed. And I remember this is like, I felt so seen and heard after this. She was like, they were asking her about being an eight and she said something like, um, yeah, when things go down, my immediate reaction is screw you. And then I think about it Well, she used other terms, but like, but I felt very seen and heard in that moment. Like our immediate response is like, oh really? Well, screw you. Yeah. And then later we might process and be like, you know, maybe they didn't really, but like in the moment we're like, I'll punch you. Like it, it's a very, yes, we default to anger very quickly. <laughs> but <laughs> mine, I'm a three. And so my reaction just to my, you're like an overachiever. Yeah. Human failure <laughs> and, and, and just my mm-hmm. history and trauma and things is shame. And mm-hmm. so I'm curious um, how you just coming out of divorce and trauma and all of that, do you ever just, did you ever have to deal with that people pleasing or that feeling of shame or forgiveness or that's a good question. You know what? I never like, no, um, <laughs> shame, not so much. Like even it's interesting. Cause I feel like there's things I should feel a lot of shame around that I don't. I always feel more shame around who I am. Like when people don't like it and reject it, than I do like the things that I do. Yeah. Like if I tell people I've been divorced twice, it's sometimes it can be awkward. Cause I think if they meet who I am now, they're kind of like, wait, what? Like they don't get it. And I'm like, no. And then I feel like I have to tell the whole story, but, um, I don't really feel shame. Cause I'm just kind of like, yeah, that happened. So that yeah. Was yeah, that I'm was so strange 10 years of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I'm super envious of that. I have another friend who's an eight and that's exactly the way she's like, "Eh, I don't care. No, I don't. And I'm an open book. Yeah. Oh, that's why, that's why numbers are good together. Cause like you can borrow that from each other. Mm -hmm. Um, your guys' stuff is shame. I think ours is, is it fear? Like, well, I'm going to say this. Our predominant emotion is anger, but our vulnerability we don't like to be vulnerable. We're not trusting and eights. Um, we are per, like, we are okay. Our motive, like our motive center. I can't remember what they call it, but like, it's our motivation for what we do. How, you know, your eight is like, how, you know, your any number is not the actions you take. It's the reasons that you take them. And ours is justice, ah. but we want to fight for justice mm-hmm. always. It's always about like righting wrongs. And that's why we don't, you know, we don't, I don't like bullies. I don't like when, if I'm getting bullied or anyone's getting bullied, I always like, I have a hard time with injustices, whether they're big or small, right? Like, even if like when I would work jobs and if I felt like my boss was like mistreating me or employees, like I really cannot let that stuff go. Cause I was like, that's not right. And we're not going to keep pretending that this is okay. Like I would get really fixated on it when other people would be like, dude, just like, let it go. It's not worth it. I'm like, no, like, I really was like, I can't, it's not right. And so we fight for justice. Ours is a fear of like rejection though. It's like, so we do a lot of self-protecting. So it's not so much shame. It's like, we don't want to be rejected. So it's kind of like a, well, I'll just reject you before you reject me, which is probably where the anger comes from. Yeah. It's like, if I just act really angry and like lose my cool, then like, 
I'll be scary, right? Like I'll just scare them into be like being scared of me. I think, yeah, your guys' stuff is shame. So no, I don't really have a lot of thoughts about being divorced twice or like I've, I was on food stamps. I lived in government assisted housing, all the things. And I didn't come, I didn't grow up poor. My parents middle class. Like I grew up, I was not lacking. I played travel sports. We lived in super nice houses. Like we, I went to private school for a while. I always had a car. I always had money. My parents paid my bills well into my twenties. Like I don't, then I like went off and did my own thing and got pre- like got pregnant and I got married and then I got divorced. And when I moved out, I refused to move back in with my parents. Cause I didn't want them telling me what to do. So like I was on food stamps and government assisted housing and single mom and all the things. I don't have shame about that. <laughs> like I don't have shame about a lot of things. I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm so thankful. And are you able to look back or do you take time to look back and find the beauty in those moments and find kind of how God yeah. carried you through those or provided for you? Yeah. It gave me a lot of grit. Like I have a lot of grit and I just figure things out. And I really believe that's why I've been able to be so successful in business. Like, cause I was not an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know anything about owning a business. Like my dad's always been an entrepreneur. I don't know anything about it. Um, is my grit. Like I will just figure it out. I, I will get the help I need, or I will legit figure it out. And I don't let anything stop me. And I don't let people tell me, no, I'm like, okay, I'll figure it out. I always, so I always figured it out. Like when I was a single mom, like I'll figure the money out. I'll figure the job out. I'll figure the living situation out. I'll get what I need. Um, I always figured it out. So yeah. I mean, yeah. Like God was always around. Right. And he redeemed me out of all that, but it's all like part of what I do now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's incredible. Well, so do you have a daughter? I do. She's actually, she just turned 15. So she'll be a sophomore in high school. Same. I have a son who will be a sophomore. Yeah. I have a teenage girl. So that's fun. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It's been so fun. much. Fun. Yeah. More fun than you thought you were sad. Yeah, I know. I'm like, Oh, a 15 year old boy. That sounds so nice. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less dramatic. I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Probably. I guess I was curious how yeah. you as a child look the way you are now. Is there, have, do you feel like you've returned to who you really were? original, like at age five or seven. Yeah. That's really interesting. Last year I did. Um, so there's a course called living fully alive and Justin and Abby Stumball teach it. Um, they're like, uh, connected. I think they go to Bethel church in Reading. I mean, I know they did. I think they still do, but like, that's kind of how I heard of them, but she does a lot. They do, they call it life consulting, but it's life coaching. They just call it life consulting. And so in this like course, it's about emotional wholeness and they have you, a lot of the healing they do is they, they have you do heart work. And, um, a lot of it is connecting with your, they don't even call it your inner child. They literally just have you like close your eyes, visualize this younger version of yourself, maybe like 10, 10 years old. And they just have you visualize that you're like, you know, sitting down with them on a bench and you're having a conversation with them. And they'll just say like, what is it that like the 10 year old version of you, like, just imagine yourself, like putting your arm around them and you're talking to them. Like, what is it that they need to hear? 
Yeah. Like what is it that they need to hear that they needed to hear then that no one ever said to them or affirmed for them or valid, you know, validated them or, um, loved on them. And they, they really have you like basically go back and do that. Was that hard? It's actually called reparenting yourself. I think it's an actual term. Yeah. It, it's awkward. Cause I'm an eight. So we don't like to do like emotions in front of people. <laughs> so it's like, you're like closing your eyes and you're like, <laughs> this is awkward. Cause you it's on zoom. Right. So I was like, are they just staring at me? Like, this is so weird. I'm like talking to myself, but it is funny. Cause you like look around and all these other people are like, Ooh, and they're like talking to their inner self and just like boohooing. And I'm like, I don't want to do that in front of all these people. It's not that I get embarrassed. It's like as eights, we don't ever want to look weak. <laughs> you're going to learn so much about eights. You're going to be like, God, I know everything about eights today, but we don't, we don't really like to do emotions in front of people. My dad is an eight. Vulnerable. Yeah. It actually, it isn't the term weak, but maybe we, it's, it's like, we don't want to look like we're in a vulnerable position. It feels very unsafe. So yeah, it's hard. Um, but diving into it is hard because you do start to realize like you, you almost start to feel not pity, but it's like you almost, your heart almost hurts for your childhood self. Cause you're like sitting here right now. I'm just visualizing that child, but like my 10 year old self really did exist. And she really like, that's, you know, she really was taught that like who she was, was not good. And that's so sad. Like how do kids deal with that stuff? So it, it really gives you a heart pity's not the word I'm looking for, but you just feel like, Oh my God, that's horrible. And then you really do want to go back to your like 10 year old self and be like, you're fine. You're fine the way you are. But that is part of the, you know, self-validating is you are saying those things that your inner child needed, that your younger self needed. And mm -hmm. you try to basically heal that. And then I guess it's supposed to heal you like now. I mean, I got a lot out of those. It really works. <clears throat> yeah. Like reparenting and, um, but that was one of the things is a lot of blocks, whether you have a ministry or a business, or maybe you're just a woman that works in corporate. It doesn't really matter. A lot of the places we hold ourselves back is we haven't healed. We haven't dove into those things that need healing from like, yeah, it's just this ago. belief, this wrong narrative that we have mm -hmm. in our mind and this wrong belief system about who we are. And mm -hmm. I think like for me, the work is about finding God in your story because mm -hmm when you know that you're chosen by him mm. and that he has given you unique, specific giftings um, and you step into that and let go of all of that, you know, approval seeking, then it allows you to just live out your life with this contentment and this purpose and um, a courage that you wouldn't have when you're trying to be someone else. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's kind of logical when you say it that way, but it's, <laughs> really hard, yeah. really hard to do. It is. It's hard. And people are resistant to it. And that's why my coaching packages were always like, you know, four or five, six months because a six week package was not long enough. You know, there's some healing that can happen pretty quickly on the front end, the simpler stuff, but some of that like just takes time. And sure we're not going to get to it in four sessions. So yeah, totally. It's, it's there and it's real. I love that's, people who are willing to invest in their yeah. living now. Well, that's how I'm here. I didn't hire my first life coach. Cause I wanted to be one. I did not that. I wasn't even considering that was a possibility. I just, 
heard of life coaching. Like I heard about it and I was like, Oh, that's what they do. Well, that sounds interesting. I think I need some of that. Mm -hmm. And what she did with me was so transformational that I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, I need to bring this to the women in my world. And so, yeah, you're right. Like me making that investment. That's how I got where I am now. So tell us about just kind of your self-care and what, how you routine your day and who you surround yourself with now, kind of what does it look like to, to live with your, in yourself, be yourself. Yeah. I have, um, been willing to let go and like, just really, okay, here's one. I give people permission to be wrong about me. And that is something that I don't do verbally. Like I don't go, you have permission to be wrong about me. It's, it's a heart, not even maybe a heart posture, but it's like a, it's like a mind posture where like, I just know in my mind, I'm putting my art out into the world. My art as in like, what I do as a coach, my trainings, my concepts, my podcast, like everything that I do is my art. I'm putting my stuff out into the world. These are my thoughts. These are my opinions. This is what I feel like God's speaking to me. And I just know mentally, like people have permission from me to be wrong and misinterpret all of this. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to set boundaries if they do. And they start to be, you know, verbally abusive or emotionally abusive about it, but they get to have permission to be wrong about me. I don't get to police what people think about me. That's not fair. Willing to be misunderstood. Yeah. And I give them permission to like be wrong. I'm like, um, another part of self-care as far as owning your voice is I, about a year ago, (laughs) I quit, I quit trying to explain myself to people that were committed to misunderstanding me. It's one thing to misunderstand me. It's another thing to use my discernment and be like, oh, this person is highly committed to misunderstanding me. So why I'm not going to waste my breath here. They're committed to it. And so I've been willing to like, just let that go that, and this really is self-care for me because this is something I have to walk my clients through. Cause a lot of them aren't setting those boundaries. They're arguing, defending, explaining themselves, spinning out every time someone doesn't agree with them or has a thought about them. Um, they feel like they either have to prove that they're right, or they're like, that person's right. And I'm the one that's wrong. And now I'm bad. And it's like, that's all self-care boundaries that need to be set. Um, but how I can even create that space for myself is, you know, my coach, George Bryant, like he, and I've been with him for six months now. So he requires us to do at least an hour of stillness every day. Now, whether you do it all at one time or morning, night, however, but like it is stillness, like not reading my Bible. I'm not praying. I'm not listening to music. I'm not eating. I'm not journaling. There's it's not TV. I'm not talking to someone. I'm literally like, for me, I'm just sitting on my patio watching the cars drive by, um, or sitting on the couch, staring at the wall or going for a walk, but there's no music in my ears. Like I'm literally just in that moment because what it does is, I mean, besides the fact that it really does give God time to speak to you. Cause a lot of times our prayer life is just us doing a lot of talking and then being like, okay, bye. Like, thanks for the good time. God. Bye. It's like, he actually gets time to speak to you. But also what it does is we take in so much, like there's so much coming at us all the time. Our brain never gets five seconds to just process everything that's come at us for days, weeks, months, a year. We don't ever just sit because even when we sit, it's like, yeah, but I'm going to have Pandora playing, or I'm going to be listening to a podcast, or I'm going to have the TV in the background, or I'm going to read a book, or I'm going to journal, or I'm going to eat. It's like, we always have to be distracting ourselves. 
Yeah. And even just multitasking. Exactly. I feel like I'm wasting time if I'm only doing one thing. (laughs) No, totally. Like I will watch trainings and like, like, yes. Okay. If I'm listening to a podcast, I'm like, I'm listening to the podcast, but I'm also doing the dishes, which Mm -hmm. is fine. Sometimes that's what we have to do, but it's like, when do I ever just sit and Mm -hmm. think about the 20 podcast episodes I listened to this week. So (laughs) part of how I get clarity on how I like, what is my message? What do I want to say in the world? What direction do I want to take in my business? What do I want to do about this relationship or this decision or whatever? It's like, I have to give myself and I assign this to the clients in my mastermind. I don't make them do an hour because I'm kind of breaking them in, but I'm like, you have to do 10 minutes in the morning and you have to do 10 minutes at night. You have to That's so good with yourself. I'm like, just sit with yourself for 10 minutes and just see what comes to you. Just find your voice. Exactly. And they get so many breakthroughs. Like they're like, oh, and so for me, it's like, how do I even know who I want to be in the world? Well, I have to be okay with being with myself first, even figure out who she is. Um, That's self-care for me. Now, the other part of my self-care is I get a pedicure almost every month and I always get the most expensive one, but it's because (laughs) it's the one that comes with um, like the exfoliation and the hot stone massage. And it's like all the things. And I'm like, I do this every month. Cause it makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like my silly self-care. And I take a lot of time to myself these days. Like I don't, I do not let myself overwork. Mm-hmm. I, some days I'm like, I have a to-do list of things to do. And I might be like, what are the two most important things? And then I do those two things. And then I go to my favorite coffee shop and I sit there for four hours and play on my phone and listen to a, I mean, whatever I want to do. And I sit outside and I watch the cars drive by and I just, I'm like, this is self-care. I'm going to do the most important task. And then the other little things can wait. When I started all of this process for myself, that all of that, that you're describing, I felt so guilty about it. I know. If I would write, like take more than an hour just for writing my own, it'd be like, yep. oh my God, that was so selfish. No, that's your gift. That's what you're supposed to be doing. But I, my mind was so screwed up in that space. But you're also a three and you guys are like performance driven. So also, yeah, it's like guilt, but also like I could have done so many things in that hour, much more. Yeah. Practice. That were visual. Yeah. Or- tangible. It's like, I could have like really moved the needle on some things, but all right. I did was sit here for an hour and write. Ugh, so frivolous. That's exactly right. That's but your no. guys' brain. <laughs> so weird, but I love it. I've learned to rest and be quiet. And it is a challenge. Sometimes you have to be intentional, you know, to come back to that, but it is the best thing for finding your own opinion, your own yeah. idea. You'll find out how much you don't listen to yourself when someone tells you that you have to be alone with yourself. And you're like, what? My clients really squirmed when I was like, okay, this is what we're doing. And they were like, wait, what? I'm not filling you with a bunch of ideas. You have your own. Yeah. (laughs) This is what we're doing. Sit with yourselves. And they were like, what do I do? Ah, it's like, we really don't want to be with ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Whitney, this is also life-giving and Good. I appreciate you being vulnerable. <laughs> I'm an open book to a fault. Sometimes I'm definitely an overshare. So oh, you didn't overshare at all. That. Well, anytime you want to go down a rabbit hole, you call me I will, and we'll do it. Um, we're here for it. So thank you so, so much. You're so, so welcome. Thank Where you. Like, this is awesome. Where can we find you? 
I'll tell you the best place to find me is WhitneyBarbary.com. Um, fun fact, you have to put the www.whitneybarbary.com or the internet doesn't like it and it will give you an error. So, um, it, yeah, I don't know. I switched, uh, provide like domain providers and now it doesn't work if you don't put the www. So if you go to whitneybarbary.com, the reason is you can get direct links there. You, like you can get my ebook. You can literally find my social media platforms. Um, you can find out anything that I'm doing. You can get a link to my podcast. So like, it is my hub for like, whatever you're looking for, whether it's my podcast, my social media handles, um, an ebook, like it's www.whitneybarbery.com. It's all there. That's where I hang out. I love it. 